0: Welcome to the Washington Weekly, a ministry of Washington Baptist Church. This podcast is devoted to getting you into God's Word and equipping you to serve. I'm your host, Trent Henson, Associate Pastor. On today's episode, I'll talk about how Samuel Morse, the inventor of the telegraph, used his invention to give glory to God. I'll also interview another member of Washington so you can meet some more of our people and learn more about our ministries. Each week I talk about specific Bible verses that impacted people or situations. My aim is to show the transforming power of God's Word. Today I'll talk about a situation when an inventor chose to use a Bible verse to give God the glory for his invention. It was Samuel Morse. Morse was born in Massachusetts in 1791. After graduating from Yale in 1810, Morse became a clerk for a book publisher in Boston, but he was more interested in painting than pursuing a steady career. After finally persuading his parents to support his endeavor, they sent him to England in 1811 to study art. While he was there, the War of 1812 raged between Great Britain and the United States. It was then that Morse first realized the problems with slow communication. News of battles and peace agreements were always delayed. In fact, many soldiers died in battle after peace had been declared because news traveled so slowly. This truly disturbed Morse. He returned home in 1815 and over time became a well-known painter. His work was admired by the political elite in Washington, D.C., as he was commissioned to paint portraits of James Monroe and General Lafayette. In 1825, while in Washington, D.C., Morse experienced his second bout with slow communication, and this time, it was personal. Unbeknownst to Morse, his wife had suddenly died at their home in Connecticut. Word didn't reach Morse until more than a week later. In fact, her funeral had already taken place before news finally reached him by mail. He was devastated. Morse enjoyed studying about electricity, and in 1832, he overheard a conversation about the newly discovered electromagnet. Then he began to really think about the idea of the electric telegraph. He knew electrical impulses could travel in an instant. He realized that this grief caused by slow news could be eliminated if electricity could be put to use in communication. By 1837, he had turned his full attention to developing a working model of the telegraph. A year later, in 1838, with help from friend Alfred Vail and scientist Leonard Gale, Morse had developed the system of dots and dashes that became known throughout the world as Morse Code. For years, he tried to attract the interest of the public and recruit private investors, but gained very little support. After years of roadblocks and frustration, Morse was financially broke and near the point of failure when he finally had a breakthrough. In 1843, he petitioned the American government for help in financing the telegraph, and this time he was successful. Despite a number of technical difficulties, he successfully built the first telegraph line from Washington to Baltimore within the allotted budget and within the specified time. The first message was sent on Friday, May twenty-fourth, 1844. The words of the first official message were chosen by a young Christian lady, Annie Ellsworth. She was the daughter of a lifelong friend of Samuel Morse. She chose a Bible verse, Numbers twenty-three twenty-three, which says, What hath God wrought? She recognized that it was God who had inspired and sustained Morse throughout this journey. When she told Morse of her decision, he was pleased and agreed that this verse should indeed be the first message sent on the telegraph. Now let me put this verse into context for you. The full verse, Numbers 23.23, says, For there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel what hath God wrought. This passage in Numbers is where King Balak wanted to destroy Israel who had moved into his territory on their way to Canaan. Balak went to Balaam, a wicked sorcerer, and asked him to curse Israel in exchange for a reward. Balaam was ready to do this, but he needed God's permission, and God would not allow him to curse them. In fact, Balaam did the opposite. He spoke blessings over them. Balaam told Balak that he could only speak what the Lord had put in his mouth and that God has already blessed the Israelites and he could not reverse it. As part of his prophecy of blessing, there in the end of 23, that verse, he exclaimed, What hath God wrought? Or, Oh, what God has done! Now, Samuel Morse felt that exact same way that God's blessing was upon him, and this was all the work of God. That day, Morse tapped out the message from Washington, D.C., and within seconds, Alfred Vail, 41 miles away in Baltimore, who had not been told the message, received it and echoed it back. Morse translated the code and read it aloud. The crowd erupted in excitement because of the possibilities this new invention would bring. Within a few years, telegraph lines stretched across the United States, and before long, a telegraph cable crossed the Atlantic. Instantaneous communication across continents was now a reality. The telegraph is considered one of the greatest inventions in history. It revolutionized communication and led to other binary codes that we use in our computers today. Morse became one of the most famous men in America, but he remained a humble Christian. He gave all the credit to God, claiming the message Annie had chosen, what hath God wrought, was divinely inspired. Morse said, It is God's work, and he alone carried me thus far through all my trials and enabled me to triumph over the obstacles, physical and moral, which opposed me. And then he quoted Psalm 115, 1, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name, O Lord, be all the praise. Quote. It's awesome how Samuel Morse gave God the glory by using a verse from his holy word as that first message. May we all testify by saying, What hath God wrought? Or, Oh, what God has done. Today, my guest is Barbara Fowler. Thank you for joining me, Barbara.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Well, tell us about you and your family.
1: Well, Harold and I married in 1951, and we have two sons. We were married for 55 years. And we have two sons uh, that were four years apart. I always wanted a little girl, but Then the Lord sent me three granddaughters. Okay. And then, now I have two great-granddaughters. Wow. So I got my little girls. That's (laughs) it, that's a blessing, I'm sure. It is, really a great blessing. But he was a good husband and a good father and a good Christian, so that was the most important thing.
0: That's right. Well, what led you to Washington?
1: Well, we had friends that came here, and we were—they knew we were visiting, uh, and they said, "Well, you've got to come and visit Washington." I said, "We will." And when I, we would—we went to the mountains a lot, and when we would pass here, I don't know why God knew, but I did—I would just turn like this, half way around, and look at this church.
0: Really
1: almost every time we went to the mountains. Wow. But anyway, when they said, you need to come, I said, okay. So one Sunday, we decided to come up here, <laughs> and I told Harold, I said, this is too far. We can't come up here because uh-huh. we we're eight miles
0: okay. on the other side
1: of Greer. Okay. And, uh, but uh, then we came that Sunday, and I remember Hugh Atkins was uh, leading the music, and he did that in our former church for years. Okay. And then the lady that was playing the piano had come from our former church. And it was like, I said, this is like home. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and good. so anyway, we just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, finally we we joined. Oh, and, and I'm thankful because I really love being here. And uh, I don't know, it's just, that, it's just a good church. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. A well, really when did you church.
0: come here? When did, when did you join? In 1980. 1980, mm-hmm. okay. So have so been, been here for,
1: a good while.
0: Yes, quite a while. Well, I know you are a blessing and you've served in many ways over the years. So tell us how you've been involved or, and are involved here at Washington.
1: Well, I, I was a lot more when we first came because I was much younger. but. Uh, I started in uh, I went in a Sunday school class for about a year and then I went teaching in first and second grade did that for one year and then they wanted to have a a preschool division director so they talked with me about that. Oh, I've always loved working with children, even when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. My mother said I was born old.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> okay.
1: And I've always loved, and, and I just had this desire to know what made them tick, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. And every year, I would go for Sunday school week at Ridgecrest, and you learn so much. I mean, you really mm-hmm. do there. And uh, so, when they asked me to do that, I, well, I prayed about it, but in my heart, I knew from the beginning yeah. that, you know, I wanted to do that. So I did that for several years. And uh, then doing that, you're not in the room with the children as much, which I loved. And I worked with all different ages, mm-hmm. from babies up to the five year olds. And, and everyone's just precious and and different and I don't know it's just it's just a blessing to be able to do it well, now I'm still with five year-olds at my age mm-hmm. and but I did when I first started up here, we had what you call training union you know? right yes and then when Wednesday, Wednesday night we had well, I work. Training union Wednesday night Sunday morning with preschoolers, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I just love it. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that's what God called me to do, and or else He wouldn't leave me able to do it at my age. Uh, yes. So, uh, but it's just been a real blessing to to work with that, and that that's my heart is mm-hmm. preschool.
0: Yes, and and you are a, a blessing in that ministry, and um, sometimes it's hard to find people for those positions. Like you say, when it's in, when you feel that passion for it from the very beginning.
1: Well, see, that's what I don't understand when they have such trouble getting people for extended session. You mm-hmm. know, and I, right. I said they miss a lot. That's right. I mean, because mm-hmm. these look. Well, they amaze you. The kids just amaze you.
0: They do, and they keep you young, don't they? Just being around them. (laughs) Well,
1: they—I told them they didn't keep me young, but they kept me mobile. That's that's (laughs) good.
0: That's right. Having to run them down, right? Well, that's it. I I really appreciate your service in that area, and it's wonderful even now uh, to go back toward the children's area and see you and uh, Miss Chris, Christine C, and. That group sitting there, that that is a blessing to have some of you who have served there for years and years and continue to do it. So thank you for all that you you do for our children's program and, uh, and other areas in our church. And my last question is always, this is a tough one, what's the best thing about Washington Baptist Church?
1: As I've said, that is a hard thing to say because there's so many, many good things about Mm -hmm. Washington Baptist Church, but I think the main thing for me is the love that permeates the whole everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter who you are, what color you are, what Mm -hmm. there's love for you, and and that's really important. you just feel at home. Nice. That's that's a fact. That's right. And that's what I love the most. But I like that, too, that they provide spiritual training for babies on up. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a blessing. That's right. And not all churches do that. That's right. And like I say, there's just so many things. There's I can't tell you anything I don't like about
0: it <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Well, that's great. Well, I I love what you said, and I feel the same way about it. That um, I know when Travis came, I guess Travis has been here fifteen or sixteen years now um, as the youth minister, and he felt the same way the minute he came. You know, he started telling me, you, "You've got to come to Washington." He said, "It's it's like no other place." And uh, it took me a little while to get here, but then when I arrived, I felt the same thing. I mean, it really is. It where is, I is. think we are accepting of whoever you may be, and we'll find a place for you to serve. That's right. That's it. Well, thank you for your time today.
1: Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Barbara talked about how she has enjoyed serving in our children's ministries for years here at Washington. The new church year begins in September, and we have positions to fill in our children's ministries. We're in need of nursery workers and people to help with the computer security check-in process. We also need people to serve in our Awana ministry. We need co-directors, leaders, and listeners. If you'd like to serve in any of these areas, please contact me, Trent Henson, or you can call the church office. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Washington Weekly. Washington Baptist Church is located at 3500 North Highway 14 in Greer, South Carolina. Check us out online at washingtonbaptist.org. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast as you get into God's Word and prepare to serve.